to the Collective Tables Advent season. Over the next four weeks, Chelsea, Claire, and I will offer short reflections on the weekly themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and peace. These themes connect to the traditional scripture readings that are presented throughout the Advent season and remain consistent from year to year. So what is Advent? Great question, Dana. Advent marks a time in the life of the Christian church where we prepare and wait for the coming or arrival of Christ, God in human form. The word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, meaning coming. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Greek Orthodox, or non-denominational. Advent applies to the universal Christian church. Not all Christian communities may talk about Advent and not all celebrate the time period in the same way. However, it does not change the overall purpose of Advent, which is a time for each of us to prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of Christ. It reminds me of when I prepare my house for company. I love hosting people in my home, and part of it is the excitement of preparing for the guests to come. I get the house ready, mow the grass, set the table, prepare the food, and decorate. And when they get there, we can finally celebrate. That's a great metaphor, Claire. For those who practice Christianity, Advent is a time of spiritually preparing our hearts and minds to receive God in person. So for this TCT Advent season, you're invited to use these short reflections to get your heart and mind ready for the arrival of a vulnerable baby who desires to be connected to each of us, who desires to show us that love and peace are stronger than hate and war, who invites us to respond every day to a broken world by claiming our belovedness. If you'd like to learn more about the history of Advent, visit our show notes for additional resources. I cried the night Tom Petty died. I had never met him, but he is a central figure in my life. Growing up, Petty was the only music our family would collectively agree on during long car rides. Having been born on October 20th, the day in between my sister and I, I on October 19th, and my sister on October 21st, we used to celebrate his birthday. My dad used to Photoshop him into all of our family photos. I'm not joking. Tom Petty was and is important to me. Petty always seemed to offer the words I was searching for. When I was a defiant teenager, I used the lyrics from Won't Back Down to prep myself for arguments with my mother. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. I will stand my ground. She must have loved that. When I was in my early 20s hating my job, 5 p.m. on Friday would finally roll around and free-falling would blast in my car on the way home. I can still feel my soul rejoicing in the weekend freedom that that song would elicit. And now, here in the first week of Advent, the waiting again speaks truth into my life. See, Advent is a time of deep, meaningful, purposeful waiting. We are waiting for the coming of Jesus. This is the same rhythm every year. We wait. And as Petty says, the waiting is the hardest part. We know this. Our society has conditioned us to want things now. Instant gratification is a powerful force. We have Amazon Prime, 
instant downloads, and immediate validation on our Facebook posts. We don't like to wait. But Advent calls us to wait. With hopeful, loving, joyful, peaceful anticipation, we wait for the Christ child to be born. We are called to join with Mary as she too waits, not quite sure of the implications brought forth by the angel Gabriel's message. In this reading from Luke's Gospel, we hear of the angel visiting Mary to deliver the news that would go on to change the world. Finding out that you are carrying a child is shocking, exciting, surprising, no matter how you discover it. But Mary has a few extra components to manage in this scenario. First of all, an angel comes to her. That's not an everyday occurrence. He goes on to tell her that she is going to have a child, which is maybe not the best news for Mary, since she is an unwed young woman living in a society that would easily deem this a crime in which the punishment is death by stoning. But Gabe keeps on going, saying that her son will be great and will be called the son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He will be called the Son of God. Mary is told to expect that her son will be the Son of God, that he will rule a kingdom that has no end. That's a big message, a big responsibility a big leap of faith. But Mary, faithful, trusting, willing Mary, responds in this way, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel leaves her. I wonder what those first few moments were like. Mary's day, her life really, has been interrupted by this seemingly unbelievable experience. She is left to speculate all the possibilities. The possibilities both good and bad, exciting and dangerous, life-giving and death-threatening. Alone, Mary is left to wait. After visiting her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, Mary goes on to sing of God's dream for us. She sings the song of a God who enters so fully into human existence and overturns our expectations enough to usher in a new reality. And this stunning new reality is this. God has made a home among the very people the world casts aside. In her defiant song, Mary, a dark-skinned woman, a refugee, a religious minority, and an occupied land, names the new reality that is taking place inside of her. She was so sure of it that she was singing about it ahead of time, not in the future tense, but in the past, as if God's promise had already come true. The powerful have already been humbled. The hungry have already been filled. The vulnerable have already been lifted up. Barbara Brown Taylor says it like this. Prophets almost never get the verb tense straight because part of the gift is being able to see the world as God sees it, not divided into things that are already over and things that have not happened yet, but as an internal unfolding mystery that surprises everyone. In this divine dance, we are all dancing. God may lead, but it is entirely up to us whether we follow. Just because God sent an angel to invite one girl onto the dance floor is no guarantee she will say yes. Just because God sent a prophet to tell us how life on earth can be more like it is in heaven does not mean any of us will quit our day jobs and make it so. And yet God asks. Then it is our turn. God responds to us. Then it is our turn again. 
The only thing that is absolutely certain in this scenario is that we have a partner who is with us and for us and ahead of us and who wants us to have life. Mary takes this news on faith. She takes it to the heart. Mary's trust is really all she has. What she does not have is a sonogram or a husband or an affidavit from the Holy Spirit that says the child really is mine. All she has is her unreasonable willingness to believe that the God who has chosen her will be part of whatever happens next. And that apparently is enough to make her burst into song. She does not wait to see how things will turn out first. She sings ahead of time and all the angels with her. Every year we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. This promise of Emmanuel, God with us. This stands in stark contrast to the distant deity of so much of our perception. In our sacred tradition, this promise has the joy of shepherds, the wonder of magi, the terror of those in power, whether religious or governmental. In the midst of waiting for the world to be made right, in the middle of those deep, dark places that we don't want anyone else to know about, at the center of our grief that we think no one will understand, among the frustration, anxiety, and fear that visits us without our permission, at the heart of humanity, God is with us. And we have the choice to wait around passively, complaining about the way it all should be, or we can choose to say yes to God right here, right now. We can say yes to the invitation to dance with God. I wonder what might happen if we accept the offer to partner with God before knowing how all the details work out. Given all of what we know about God, why should we wait to get excited? It is my hope that we would be the kind of people who would bump into each other, getting out on the dance floor before the band even shows up, before the music ever comes on. It is my prayer that we would be a people who start dancing ahead of time. Isn't this a great time to start? Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Together, we are what God looks like. The Collective Table is supported by San Diego United Methodist Church in Encinitas, California, and the California Pacific Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. A big thank you to our producer and content editor, Claire Watson. If you'd like to financially support the work of The Collective Table, please visit us at thecollectivetable.org. There you can also find out more about who we are and view past episodes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, and newsletter, and keep up with us on our Instagram and Facebook at The Collective Table.